Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. This is Liz Lenevy, and today I am joined by Amy Gunn, Erica Slater, and Elizabeth McNulty. And today we wanted to talk about the highs and lows of litigation and the idea of this career where it feels like we're sometimes running at a million miles an hour and then all of a sudden it just comes to a sudden stop. And what I mean by that is this is something I'm experiencing right now. Amy and I were prepping for a very large case. I mean, this was a very involved medical malpractice action. There were multiple defendants, multiple experts. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of medical records. We were still rushing to get things done at the last minute. It felt like this was one of the COVID holdovers. And even though we had so many trial dates that we lost because of COVID and then it got rescheduled and we were finally heading towards this trial, it still felt like there was so much work to get done, even up to the 11th hour. And we were working like crazy. This case had just consumed my life for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then suddenly I get a call from Amy and she says, stop working. The case is settled. (laughs) And I remember saying, yay, but what now? It's a Friday afternoon. I guess I could go outside for the first time and see some sunshine. But I really had a weird physical response to this where I felt, and I talked to Amy about this later, I felt like I could keep going. I could work hours and hours and hours until my eyes bled. I could just stare at my computer and work and work and work and prep and prep and prep. And the moment that the case stopped, my feeling of being able to work like mad just left my body And I've been kind of struggling now to jump back into my other cases. I've been able to do it, but it feels like it's so much more effort to get the regular nitty gritty tasks of the day done on my other cases when before when I was prepping for trial, I was just running on so much adrenaline. I could go, 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 go. And then suddenly I hit that wall. And so I wanted to talk to you all about that. Have you experienced that? How do you deal with that? And do you have any advice for our listeners, for me, on how to address this weird response that I've had to this case? Well, first of all, I think you have to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's no time. (laughs) Well, you have to take a break because the second you get back to your desk, you're going to have your task list just overflowing and you'll be overwhelmed all over again. I think it's so important to take a mental break in between such a focused, intense period of trial prep and kind of process those emotions of like what you have to do to gear yourself up, knowing that you're going into trial, all the work and adrenaline that's taking place, and then just being able to settle with that and have a quiet moment and say, man, that's a job well done. Because, you know, I mean, I know the resolution you all achieved, and without a doubt, you wouldn't have gotten to that point if it wasn't A, the best thing for your client, and B, you weren't completely convinced that they were paying full and fair value for the case. So, It's such a letdown when you get to a certain point in prep because once you start trial, you just are pressing play on all the prep that you've done. You know, it has not felt for me the last couple of trials I've had, once we get to Sunday, basically, 
Sunday, I'm like looking over stuff and picking my outfit out and having those pump up conversations with your co-counsel or whoever's trying the case with you. And that's when you can settle in and it's fun. It's all that prep that is agonizing and what is keeping you up at night. And, you know, once you can press play when you're in trial and that adrenaline kicks in, it keeps you going. I mean, you could literally be going on two hours of sleep and somehow you are engaging, you know, charming, you're smart, you're on it. And that is, that is freaky. (laughs) I think, and obviously Liz and I were on this journey together for this particular case. And I had just had a, quote, vacation. It was a conference slash vacation. Got back from that, got the COVID. And the entire week before this trial was at home with COVID, but preparing for trial, luckily not terribly sick or anything. And oddly loved it. Oddly, I think because I had a little vacation, I felt a little bit refreshed. And was so excited about digging into one case. Most of our days are like playing pinball or ping pong. It's you're going back and forth, back and forth, putting out fires, answering emails. It's just constantly exhausting your attention because there are so many things coming at you and you're trying to get so many things and the plates are spinning. It was so nice to sit and have a volume of materials in front of you that you just plow through, analyze, strategize, put together cross-examinations, direct examinations, open, close, voir dire. I mean, as stressful as it is that you're getting ready to perform in a trial, sitting and focusing on one thing is so delightful, but it's so intense. And then by Friday, when this case settled, you're almost there. Now, I will say I was not quite there. (laughs) (laughs) I still had a lot to do and had been mildly distracted by the settlement negotiations, which is another horrible part of doing these things because it's so hard to stay focused on trying the case when you think it might settle. If you could always just outsource that, that'd be great. (laughs) Yes. And, And trust me, I was thinking about that. It did work out. But... I felt the same way, Liz. All of a sudden, it was over. And because it was a Friday, it was a little bit easy just to turn it off and to do what I normally do on the weekend. But there was also a lot of catch up because of being out of town and then being constantly working for that another entire week. I just really had a lot of housework to do and family work and mom and everything. And then Monday comes along and I think, girl, you need to take another day off. Girl, just stay home on Monday. And I did, but it was still a nonstop day, just a different category of things to do. And then by Tuesday, I'm in the office because I'm like, well, here we go. There's still stuff to do. And somehow, even though we were supposed to be in trial for two weeks, every single day was busy with work. And that is amazing to me. And neither one of us has actually taken a break. No. (laughs) So to Erica's point, you think to yourself, hot dog, we got two weeks. We don't have to do anything because we're supposed to be in trial. We're supposed to be under the radar. And instead of actually, you know, enjoying that time, we just keep filling up the calendar with stuff. And that's because we've got a lot to do and we owe a lot to our clients and want to move other cases along. But Erica, to your point, I'm sitting here right now, two, three weeks later, 
and am like, I need a break. And I haven't even been in trial for two weeks. So it's all about really, and I know we talk about this a lot and we preach it and I admittedly don't do a very good job, but I am planning this weekend, I'm going to not doing any work, (laughs) not doing any work. (laughs) But I think part of what makes our job so hard is the constantly shifting focus. And what you were feeling, Liz, trying to get back into you know, the other work is you had, I think, I'm, I'm guessing, truly enjoyed digging in and going down rabbit holes and fully understanding whatever particular issue it was that you were working on and kind of giving up that focus and that time block just to do exactly what you need to do is letting you down a little bit. I was very excited to try this case. I think this was going to be a really great case. Obviously, I'm very happy for the outcome, happy for the client. So there was a little bit of that of I'm excited, but with that caveat there. I think the other thing, though, that I never really thought about until you both had mentioned this was this idea of ping ponging between all of these assignments. And when you're trial prepping, it is such a great excuse to ignore everything else on your plate. You have to focus on this one thing because trial is coming up and everybody understands that. Best excuse in the Opposing counsel, other cases. Other attorneys in the office. Clients understand it Mm -hmm. because they want When you say, I'm prepping for trial in another case, I need to focus all of my attention on that. They think, well, when it's my turn for my trial, you're going to give that same attention, and we will. And the amount of mental energy it takes to go between all of these cases, to be working on one assignment, to get an email that is now an emergency on this assignment, to get a phone call from a client or from an opposing counsel that suddenly this needs to be taken care of. That is so much mental energy beyond just the energy and effort we have to put into doing the work, Mm -hmm. is thinking about doing the work and thinking about planning about how we're going to do the work. And when you're in trial, that is taken off your plate because you know what you're doing every day. Maybe there's a little bit of planning. And and there was some planning on my end about I'm focusing on this direct today. I'm focusing on this cross. I'm going to focus on preparing my voir dire today. But ultimately, it all came back to the same case. And I didn't have to worry about going in and checking these emails and, and getting responses out quickly. And that's something I had never really put much thought into is just how much energy it takes to focus on so many different things in a single day. Right. Right. And that is another difference, I think, between early in your practice and more mature in your practice. Because if you remember being a law clerk or first few years of practice, you were given big assignments. You weren't in charge of returning phone calls to opposing counsel or to the clients or whatever. You are responding to a motion or drafting a petition Things that understandably take a few hours to dig into, and you had that time on your calendar. And I mourn the loss of those days. And I know Elizabeth is shaking her head like, (laughs) I don't believe you, girl. But I have said this before. I love reading medical records. And I love the opportunity to sit and just go through medical records for a few hours because there's so many answers there. And I hardly get that opportunity. And I guess you're right. I don't no, I don't want to draft motions. Okay. I don't want to respond. I just I actually don't want to do that. But I would like to have a block of time that was my own to focus on one thing. And the more years you have, the more responsibilities you have, the more tasks you undertake, 
whether it be law related or, you know, legal community related, it just gets more erratic. There's more things to respond to. I think that's part of the practice, though. I don't know. I've seen people carve out time and say, I don't answer emails between this hour and that hour. That's when I focus. I've never been good at that. I'm sure there are techniques where you can be under the radar and actually not answer emails. Let's say if you're in a deposition, you probably shouldn't be checking your email. You probably are, but you probably shouldn't be. So I try to tell myself, look, I've been off the radar for three hours before. I'm just going to pretend like I was in a deposition and sit here and not respond to emails. And guess what? The world goes on. It continues to turn. We let our own feeling that we need to be ready and responsive and all things to all people prevent us from setting aside time and having guilt, I guess, for not being immediately responsive. And I think we can get past that. We should. It's funny that you say that you wish you had like hours to yourself, just because from my point of view and like everyone's experience is different. But I feel like as like the younger lawyer on the team or whatever, no time is my own because like at any moment, like the phone can ring and like my plans for the day are gone because something's on fire and like I need to help solve it. So I think that that's just part of it and like part of like the point I'm at in my career and like it's okay. And it's also sometimes those phone calls are kind of fun in hindsight because you get that adrenaline rush and like it's not the mundane tasks of the day, but it can be stressful when you don't feel like you're in control of your own schedule. But I also think, you know, always needing to be available and like having some difficulty setting boundaries. I think just from my few years in practice, it seems like the women attorneys I've worked with are more like that. But the male attorneys I've worked with are less like that. They have like an easier time setting boundaries. They like don't necessarily answer emails right away. And I just I find that interesting. And I don't know if it's because we're just similar personality types or if it's a difference between as women, we feel like we need to always be available and be super responsive because that's how we got to where we are in our careers. And it's what we had to do because like, if not, we wouldn't be here. You know what I feel about my response time? This is something that's gone back to when I was a kid. If I'm not immediately responsive, I'm going to lose out on an opportunity. FOMO. Right. I treat my email inbox like whack-a-mole. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I feel when I sit in front of my email. Can you go into a little more detail? What do you mean whack-a-mole? What? The carnival game? Whack-a-mole? No, are you? Down do, are you just like picking, are you picking emails at random or do no, you go in I a mean, linear order? I am sure that I, you know, how we preach, like you teach people how to treat you. Well, I'm sure my opposing counsel think I am sitting at my email all day. <laughs> now, I do not answer outside of business hours. I will even if because of my own schedule, I need to answer emails or address some stuff outside of business hours, I will literally set it to send the next morning during business hours. I wish hours. I knew how to do that. It's a little tag. I'll teach you. <laughs> okay. But because, well, my years of working on the defense side and my experience of sending emails to certain defense counsel, 
outside of business hours is that they will respond. And I am not willing to get into a back and forth or create another task for myself in responding to their reply at 10 p.m. at night when I'm trying to clean up my email because I've been traveling all day for a deposition. And that's how this happens. But I do have a bad habit of responding too quickly to certain emails. And I've found that it's a much better practice to let things kind of marinate sometimes. You know, when you've been in a deposition, I mean, everyone's had this experience. You're away from your email for three hours. You're in a deposition. You're looking through your email inbox. And somehow in the hour and a half when you didn't touch that thread, everything got worked out. Your case is settled. (laughs) Your paralegal's already set the W-9. Like Everything's fine. No, that's wishful thinking. But sometimes letting people marinate, letting things wait, you know, teaching opposing counsel that you will get back to them in your own time can really be beneficial because of that idea of not being so available all the time. So how do we ride these ups and downs, all these waves? What is the best thing that you can think of to be fortified for the ups and downs? I think it has to be boundaries. I'm going to say I learned how to do this, but it was forced. So as many people know, if you listen to our podcast, I have two little kids. And like my hours in the day, my life just changed when they came around. And good changes because now when I am at work, that time is so sacred to work. And I've always been a person, I work at the office. I'm not great at, you know, working on the fly or working at home or whatever. When I'm at my desk, I am completely focused. If I'm sitting at my desk for 12 hours, I can work for 12 hours. If I'm sitting at my desk for two hours, I will work for two hours. I can stay very focused in that regard. But once, you know, our family changed and I'm just tired, (laughs) I'm just more tired when I get home, then I go into mom mode. And then after that, I have, you know, an hour or two to myself or, you know, to visit with my wife or whatever. Sometimes that time has to get eaten up with whatever tasks or keeping our house running. I mean, it's usually eaten up with all the other stuff that I have to do that's not work and not momming. Mm -hmm. And that time has to be used so effectively that I have enforced those boundaries of I only work when I'm at work. And unless something else is going on, which of course, you know, we always get it done. If I have a deadline or something and I have to get back on my computer at night, fine, so be it. But it doesn't happen that often because I'm so focused on keeping work hours and not letting those boundaries cross over. I just don't think I could keep all the balls in the air if I wasn't completely focused on momming when I'm at home, you know, before bedtime or working when I'm at work and not using that time to get what I need to done because otherwise I don't think it gets done. And that's the way I've found it feels intense, you know, going through the phases of the day. But that's the only way I've found to keep things steady And it was kind of forced upon me because now I don't have a choice because I don't have my time time at home. is not my own. If the time compresses, then somehow we work within that time. Mm -hmm. If I have 12 hours to get something done, I'll probably take 12 hours to get it done. If I have six, guess what? I'll take six. Mm -hmm. 
It's like my mom used to tell me, if you carry a big purse, you're going to fill it up with a bunch of crap. If you take a small purse, you're gonna fill it up <laughs> you don't need it. These you rules don't need tra- it. These rules transfer to every part of our life. <laughs> so I agree. I think that what I look at and think about is often just drawing on experience and looking back and knowing that the waves are going to keep coming and we're going to keep riding them. And the boat is not going to tip over. We're not going to drown. You accommodate. You accommodate. But having the boundaries is very important. I've always been, I come to work to work, Mm -hmm. and then I go home. I usually don't spend a whole lot of time messing around at work. I don't want to look unfriendly or unhelpful. And when staff comes in, we tackle problems and whatever it is. But I come to work, get my work done so I can go home. And do the, everything else that I enjoy in my life. But it does take quite a bit of planning and effort. And I think we do that really well. I think it's sort of embarrassing to admit that I plan my fun time. I plan my downtime. <laughs> seems a little off. But if I don't plan it, then I feel like I'm wasting it wasting the time. And I cannot abide wasting time, even if it's for relaxing. I know that's messed up. But I would find myself, like even that weekend after we settled, I think by Sunday afternoon, I'd done a lot of the household things I needed to do, a lot of the shopping I needed to do. And it was like four o'clock and I'm like tapping my fingers (laughs) saying, well, what can I do now? What can I do? Because I was still on the high performing, getting everything done. And I had to literally just be like, go sit down and turn on some stupid television show to decompress. Because if you don't allow yourself some kind of outlet, then you're never going to be able to successfully just continue to jump from one thing to the other. I have to tell you my favorite bait and switch story after trial. When I was 38 weeks pregnant, (laughs) we were supposed to start a week-long trial. (laughs) And it was my case that I was trying with John Simon. And thank God Mary came in and was my understudy for that trial because the case was out of town. And we ended up resolving the case on Sunday afternoon. And I had this whole plan for the week. Like this was still kind of during COVID times and the court was allowing us to have a video conference feed into the trial. So like I was going to go on site for day one. I was going to help pick the jury in Vordire. My dad was going to drive me because we were an hour and a half away from my hospital. God forbid, you know, that was my contingency plan. And then I was going to have to help out in the background the rest of the trial, which was going to kill me. But so be it. That's how it worked. And so we resolved the case on Sunday night before the Monday start. For anyone who doesn't know, the physiology of adrenaline is that adrenaline will stop you from going into labor, which is why they harp at very pregnant people to just, you know, relax, stress-free, you know, don't worry. So I should have known that had that trial gone, the adrenaline probably would have kept me from going into labor. 
And so the next morning, I like watched the Harry and Meghan Oprah interview that had aired on Sunday night and like half the world was watching but me. (laughs) And so I watched that. I had like a slow, hot cup of coffee, which I hadn't experienced in a couple weeks. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to take the day and I'm just going to relax. My induction date was the next Monday. I was going to just clean up my email a little bit that afternoon. And then I would get back at it, clean up my stuff in the office that I had been ignoring during trial prep, and then, you know, go on my merry way to maternity leave. 12 p.m. that night, (laughs) I wake up with contractions and I am in labor, which everyone was kind of making that joke like, oh, okay, now you can go into labor. But it really happened. So when I was sitting there thinking, having that letdown from, oh, I guess we're not trying this case and I've been working like a dog for, you know, three, four weeks trial prepping, I thought I was going to have a little bit of a break. And when I went into labor, I was like, well, I guess that's a good excuse to not <laughs> yeah. be catching up what I needed to. the only thing better than trial. Yes. It, and honestly, <laughs> in my head, here's why we're all like a little sick. I was kind of like, well, nobody can blame me for this, right? <laughs> here's my wife like texting Liz, like, are you covering that hearing for Erica? <laughs> like, but she said she could take it over, but just kidding, we're at the hospital. And then obviously I went straight into maternity leave. So talk about not being able to clean up the stuff that you leave behind during trial prep, but so be it. That was a different type of relaxing after, <laughs> after trial prep. Well, I can't think of a better way to end a story of (laughs) how do you ride the low of finishing trial suddenly? It just really, really (laughs) destroyed. Here's a new project for you. Hey, Erica, we got to draft you into your next project real quick. Just go deliver a child. No (laughs) big, no big. Real casual. Real casual. Well, Erica, Amy, Elizabeth, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. And thank you so much to our listeners for joining us. If you have any comments, if you have any questions, you can reach out to us at heelsinthecourtroom.law. Please remember that new episodes drop every Wednesday and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye. Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts to comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law and check out other legal podcasts in the Simon Law Firm Library. The Jury Is Out with John Simon focuses on lifelong learning to elevate your practice. Subscribe today. Subscribe today.